Hi, I'm Sean L. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic, found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Eddie Weirich got an early jump on her comedy career, dropping out of NYU when the teenagers work with the likes of the Upright Citizens Brigade, Improv Everywhere, and BuzzFeed were taking off. She scored roles on episodes of Crashing on HBO, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel on Amazon Prime Video, and Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell on Adult Swim. She also began appearing in national TV commercials. That jump start gave her the juice to go Hollywood, where she co-hosts a live comedy showcase, Everything's Great, with Nick Coker and Demi Otto Juibe every month at Dynasty Typewriter. In 2022, Eddie plays a Wiccan high schooler in the Hulu rom-com Crush and co-stars in the feature film Mac and Rita, starring Diane Keaton. Eddie sat down with me in Los Angeles to talk about her career, sharing a life on social media via Instagram stories, hosting an impromptu election party in a gas station parking lot, martial arts, and more. If you like this conversation, please consider subscribing to my substack called Piffany at piffany.substack.com so you can read bonus commentary on this episode as well as more comedy news and insights. Thanks in advance, and now that that's out of the way, let's get to it! Now we're starting. Addie Wire, it's a pleasure to have you on my podcast, is what Sean just said. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's a pleasure. I mean, That's so nice. Last I saw you was on my computer a couple hours ago, grinding on Just Tom at a high school party. Yes, that is right. Absolutely. Yeah, in the movie Crush, we're loving it. <laughs> and everyone else is loving it, which is really fun. It's really, really cool. Yes, you're a very, uh, very uh, supernatural Wiccan lesbian. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's no spoilers. I mean, I think it's not a spoiler. It's in the. It's immediately in the trailer, and it also is all over my Instagram <laughs> for, for for pictures and images of that. Um, but no, yeah, Twitter is loving her, and that is that's who I did it for. I, I, Chantal is for Twitter. So, when you were in high school, yeah, did you would you have asked for a spell to be put on you to be able to be, play high school characters? Oh, like, <clears throat> would I have no? Because I, because I would have used that wish on something else. Because I have a chubby face, and I've always, and it's only, it, it was chubbier in, in. Well, or I, I have a, I have a, I got cheeks. I got youthful oh, no, cheeks. Totally there we go. Absolutely. So uh, when I, I knew that oh, these will probably let me play high school for a little bit, I guess. But I would like to not play high school as much. <laughs> In general. Well, but I have another movie coming out this summer, and I think I play flirty. I think my character's supposed to be 30. So, I have range, Sean. I have range. Diane Keaton. Miss Diane Keaton. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Yeah, and I play another crazy character, which is really fun. This is an exciting time for you. Yeah, it's really exciting. Yeah, yeah. So, let's uh, take a step back for uh, our less casual listeners. Sure, Yes. Eddie, you and I met thanks to... Uh, Mindy Tucker. M- the one... The one and only Mindy Tucker. Mindy Tucker. That's right, at South by Southwest. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there are many people who photograph live comedy in the year 2022. Yes. But back in 2018, and back when I first met Mindy a decade before that... Yeah. There weren't. No, she was the only one. Yeah. Or she was, like, the one. She's still... It's still a thing in the comedy community that, like, you're not a comedian until you get your Mindy. That's like a big. Yeah. Even even Demi knows it, and he has never. He's like never performed in New York. He's barely ever performed in New York, and he and and uh, Mindy's t- shooting our show mm-hmm. on Saturday, and he's like, I get to finally get my Mindy, and really gets to do. Yes, absolutely. So <laughs> yeah. I met you through Mindy at South by Southwest. Yeah. In Austin, Texas. That's right. Uh, 
where I was not performing. I was just photo assisting. So, so yeah, this was maybe this. Sometimes I look back on things that I did when I was younger and I'm like, you dog. Like there's I have to remind myself to maybe keep uh, maybe it's because I got broken up with this week that I'm feeling like I'm tired and jaded. Um, but I. Uh, Truly, I'm here to remind you of all the great things you've done. <laughs> Thank you, Sad. But, but, but of, of the, um, there's a, there's a sense of, I think like imposter syndrome gets harder as you get older. And when you are younger, because you become more empathetic, you see things work out, you see I'm things not work out. Because I'm so much older. <laughs> exactly. Well, yes. And this is literally, I'm literally, I'm so jaded. I'm, I'm, I'm 12 years old and I'm smoking a cigar by the side of the pool being like, listen, back in my day. Um, you worked for Don Mulaney, so. But yeah, that's right. But, uh, but I started, I started doing comedy when I was like 14 like 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 13 14 doing improv and then I started doing UCB when I was 16 and I was traveling from uh Philly to New York on a mega bus every day or every week um and I also was performing on a, a fit Philly improv theater house team um so I was like and in hindsight I just was like I love improv so I'm gonna do improv I love comedy so I'm gonna do comedy and I met Mindy Mindy was she took my headshots when I was tw- 20 21 I was 21 and she was telling me about this festival that was coming up, South by Southwest. She was like, it's coming up in, like, about a month. And she's like, oh, Eddie, because she's from the South. And she was like, it's just, it's a lot of work. And um, and I just, I'm, I'm, I have to carry so many things. And it's, you know, it's really fun, but it is a lot of work. And it's not like I'm getting paid, like, a ton, ton, ton of money. Because it's not like they have a budget or whatever. And I was like, hmm, 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 interesting, interesting, interesting. And then I went home and I emailed her being like, hi, Mindy, if you want someone who can be strong and sober and just carry your shit around, um, I would love to assist you. And she was like, I can't ask you to do that. And I was like, please ask me to do that. And so I just went to South by with Mindy. And she was like, okay. And be like, we, we, we met in Austin and then um, we stayed at La Quinta Inn and I had some of like the best couple days I had ever had in Austin. Um, and that's where I met Nick Thune. Um, and Nick Thune one night was like, you're so funny. Do you stand up? And I was like, yeah. And like, I didn't really. Like, he did not know this, but, like, I didn't really. Like, I did a lot of improv and sketch, mm-hmm. and I was a host on a interactive tour bus, and I had done a couple open mics, but I, like, did not like stand-up because I just didn't. It was more fun to be a, a young single woman on an improv team than it was in an open mic space. Um, but I was like, yeah. And he was like, when I come to New York, I want you to open for me. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and then I just... <laughs> And then he came and I opened, I did my first like 10 minutes ever uh, or 10, 10 to 12 minutes ever opening for him. And it did really well. And like, honestly, I have a I have Nick to thank for a lot of me, my confidence of like doing solo stand up performance. I just said yes when he was like, you're funny. Well, I'm not surprised because I met you that same week. Yes. And I was like, one, who is this young woman? And yes. two, how is she so confident and funny? And I don't know who she is. Oh my gosh. Thank you. That's a lovely impression I gave. <laughs> That's wonderful. Oh, no, <laughs> I mean, one in person, you're you're very charming. Thank you. Um, but then also, so then I looked you up online and I started following you on Instagram. Yeah. Because like, because this was 2018, so this is pre TikTok. Yeah. And watching your your use of stories even then. Oh, thank you. I was like, she has such a mastery of whatever this form is. <laughs> I don't. I didn't know you did imp- whether you did imp- improv mm, or mm-hmm. sketch or stand up. But I was like. You know how to interact with the audience as the camera. Oh, fun. Oh, amazing. Thank you. So I was like, That's one of the best compliments I've ever gotten about my social media presence. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. That's amazing. <laughs> well, you still have that today. Thank you. 
Thank you. I do get a little overwhelmed on Instagram these days. I used to, I think I used to have a lot more fun on Instagram. Like I literally, as Addie, I remember saying like, I love this app. What a fun app. Um, and that was before there were like reels and IGTV and like different things to do. Cause right, like, because that's before TikTok. It was before TikTok. It was before all these things where I just, I honestly, the way that I, I prefer doing stories over everything because stories to me feel like the most like improv where it's like if I start then I have to try to find an editing uh, find an ending and I don't edit the stories so they're just going yeah um which is fun too I do subtitle them and that is because I had a crush on someone who watched my stories all the time and then one day I was watching him watch stories and I was like you don't watch with the sound on and he was like oh no I never watched the sound on and I was like oh and in my head, I thought, like, oh, he's listening to all of the awesome, amazing things I have to say. I talk about poop so much. Like, all the amazing things I have to say. And so I started subtitling mm-hmm. just so that he, just so it, it just so that he... Fully experienced, Eddie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I was like, I want him to know. I want him to know. Right. I was like, There's he's just so skipping through. Just watching me. Yeah. And I was like, bar. man, I'm making some really great content that he probably thinks is awesome. Like, he probably thinks I'm so funny and so cool. And then I was like, well, he doesn't even know that? Okay, I have to change my game up. He um, thinks I'm petting my dog. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't, he doesn't know that I'm singing a song with very good lyrics that I'm making up. <laughs> That's right. So, so what was your profile? What was your game plan for comedy when you accompanied Bindi in Austin? My game plan for comedy has been the same, I think, since I was a teenager, since I was like doing UCB, which was... And I told I told everybody this. I said I'm going. I want to write. I want to write, act, produce, or write, star in, and produce my own TV, TV and movies, mm-hmm. um, and have a production company just like Amy Poehler, Tina Fey. And that was like what I said when I was in high school. And I was like, I'll probably go to NYU and then drop out. Of, drop out after two years, so I'll be working, and then I'll go to Los Angeles by 2018, 2019. And that is exactly what I did, <laughs> which is hilarious. And I kind of forgot that part. And then my friend Colleen, when I got out here, she was like, you know that you said, because I met her when I was 17, I was in like a web series with her when she was in college and I was in high school. And she was like, you know that you did exactly what you told me you were going to do? And I was like, what did I say? And she like <laughs> repeated that plan. And I was like, oh my God, I put, I've been Chantal this whole time. I manifested and put a, put a spell, dropped out of NYU because I was working, um, and then came here in 2019. But and it's, it's been great. you said like Tina and Amy, but they both went through Chicago. Yeah, I think it's been, um, I think, okay, so game plan wise, I think there was a time we talked UCB. Because I was so young and I also like went through like some traumatic stuff when I was 13, which I think is a big reason why I started comedy so young, like so young, because I felt really comfortable around adults. Um, and I think because of that, I felt like, oh, since my childhood has kind of been taken away, I will just become so successful career-wise that it doesn't matter that I didn't really have a childhood. <laughs> um, this is, this is, my, this is my, my teen angst. I feel like it doesn't matter that my, that my childhood was ruined. Um, I, but, um, but I will just, and it doesn't matter that I, don't, that I don't feel close to any of my friends. It doesn't matter that I don't feel like I can relate to anybody because one day I will. And, that, and by that day, I also will be very successful career-wise and I'll just employ all my friends and that'll make up for me not being their friend right now because I'm going through hard shit and so I was like okay but then my age became very important of like well I'm going to be the youngest UCB house member um, UCB house team member I'm going to be the youngest UCB teacher I'm going to be the youngest to win this blank award or this award because it felt like if I wasn't then why did I like why was I in this like sexually abusive relationship when I'm so young as I was like, sorry TMI everybody I'm doing great I'm doing very well I'm very happy and successful in Los Angeles I did it um, but uh, <laughs> but but I um, but but it, it was this thing where I did think at first it's going to be UCB and then like what's awesome and frustrating about life 
but again, awesome, is that you never know how it's going to happen. It just surprises you. Right. Yeah, and then I went to Mindy, and then like my life, and like oh, that was a really cool step because I just followed my foot and followed what was fun. I think there's a big thing of just following where it's warm, just going where it's warm. And Mindy is just like the warmest sun to me. Is. Yeah, so I was like, okay, well I can't lose. I can never make a bad decision if I'm going where it's warm. So you said a few things. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> uh, one thing you didn't say, but I noticed. Is, yes. Uh, your parents are journalists slash writers. Yes, slash, they are. And so I immediately identify as a journalist. Yeah. But I don't have kids, so I'm curious. Yeah. How much did how much did that play into them enabling or supporting you? Oh, they're total enablers. They're such enablers. It's their fault. It's everything is their everything everything is fault. No, no, I'm going to go up to New York. No, I mean I think I mean well one, so okay, so I was in like a sexually mentally physically abusive relationship when I was 13 with was like a boy. Yeah, that was the other thing I said. With a boy who was in the high school. So it was like not okay. Oh. We had to get the police involved. There was like a restraining order and my parents fucking crushed that shit. <laughs> However, well, I don't know how. I I you could not pay me to be in that situation. I do not know what it is like to be the parent and like have this thing happen and they were really scared there's all this stuff and they just were so supportive and loving they were like you need a therapist and I was like I don't want a therapist they're like well you gotta have a therapist I was like ah and then I was like okay I fucking love my therapist this is awesome and I've been in therapy since because it's fucking great um and uh and I think they just wanted I've always I've always been someone I do think that that knows what they want to do, like knows what they want or like I I think I'm pretty quick to being like I like that, I don't like that. Um I only get indecisive with like choice paralysis with like food, like what do you want for dinner because I'm like ah food, <laughs> I don't know. Um but I uh, so my I think my parents who are incredibly supportive, incredibly loving, incredibly stupid. They they make so like in the dumb they do dumb character voices. My parents we all do characters. And I didn't know that other people's parents don't do characters right. but like my dad literally has like an old Italian grandma that he goes like shut your face I start with a meatball and he, we, we still do this character to, to this day like we and we call our dogs our gungas and gungazzi like hey 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 you dog what are you doing a gungazzi and like we do these voices just hanging out with no one watching and my parents will sometimes stop themselves and they're like oh Addie you had no choice but to do this didn't you <laughs> um, because although they are journalists uh, they are very funny and they're very good writers and I think I think though and I'm answering your question a long way I hope it's okay but I think they um, they it showed me that you could make money off of writing off of something creative even if it's journalism it still felt like my parents are writers um, and then also they I think in turn supported and felt more comfortable with something in the arts and then I think they also really I think they also thought I was funny like it does help that I do think my parents are like our daughter is funny we this is enjoyable for us and my parents have said that like you know my dad has been like if our our daughter had done water polo we would have supported her and watched water polo games but thank god we don't have to be in a sweaty gymnasium and instead we can support our daughter by going to a really fun comedy show in New York <laughs> what and like they love watching comedy my dad listens to my dad literally in the shower this morning was listening to comedy bang bang like he listens to comedy bang bang every Mark Maron podcast and so I don't have to you know it's good <laughs> It's so I can stay stay up to date, but I don't no have to. Mark. No offense, Mark. Um, my dad loves you. No offense. Um, but yeah, but like my dad, you know, has like a huge friend crush on Paul Shear and Anthony Atamanik and all the and just he goes to watch improv shows at the Largo by himself. When he's out here, he loves it. 
Right, yeah. so it's not tough to get them to come visit. No, not at all. Yeah. Like, you can see me yeah. plus all these great comedians. Yeah. No, it's really, Wait, so it's really great. It's, They're so supportive. Because we're speaking during the Netflix is a joke festival. Yeah. Is that why he's here this week secretly and not just because... Oh, he hasn't even gone to any. No, we've just been hanging out. I'm I'm the joke. I'm the biggest joke to him, for him. <laughs> I know you also have some, in addition to being able to portray a Wiccan, mm-hmm. uh, I know in real life you have some martial arts skills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm dying to let... To, I'm dying for people to let me do them. <laughs> Either on them for real in a fight. Would love to be in a fight. Um, just kidding. Please do not hurt my face. Um, but in a in a movie or in an action setting is that's like the that's a big dream goal. Did you get into action that because of the abusive relationship? Or oh no! Any- oh no! No! Oh, I just got into karate because I was a five year old girl who who hated wearing shoes and loved to play a game called Karate Girl and would just <laughs> jump up on the bed and just kick and punch the shit out of my dad. And then there happened to be a karate sc- studio called Martial Posture, which is amazing in Philadelphia around the corner from my elementary school. And so they would pick us up after school. So it was also daycare. And I just started when I was like five, got my black belt by like 13, and then started teaching kids. And I still train like boxing and Jeet Kune Do. Yeah, why do do daycare or childcare when you can do specialized? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And learn a skill. Yeah. No, that definitely was one of the things, uh, I mean, that's interesting about the abusive relationship is like, you know, I, I think that was the thing that I also felt weird you know, not weird, but shame or like embarrassment because that's the thing I think when people, just to talk about abuse real quick, um, that's the thing I think people misconstrued about abusive relationships or whatever is like there's also, I feel like there's love there, which is one of the hardest dangerous parts. So you don't want to hurt the other person or like I didn't, I, I would have never like hit him mm-hmm. even though he hit me, that I would never have. Yeah, yeah. And the, la- the last time he was at my place, I was like slapped the shit out of him and it felt great. And my mom walked into the kitchen like, what's going on? This is OK. I am understanding that this that this story is maybe like very upsetting. And I'm like, I'm, this is this funny thing that happened to me. <laughs> it's just, I've been so I've been so removed from it. I've written a pilot about it. I um, uh, and I really I, I'm more it honestly at this point, it's less about the abuse of it and more about how proud I am of my family, of how we've dealt with it and right, because, how I have. And it's awesome because no matter what you've gone through in your life, it's like. How do you deal with it? How do you react to it? How yeah. Do you, do you do you let that weigh you down for the rest of your life, or do you use that yeah. experience to learn and grow? Yeah. And then also, you know, other stuff has happened in my life where I'm like, oh, now now this is what I'm learning on, you know. And so it's like I'm gonna. It's nice to be able to let go and turn it over. And um, I don't know. How, yeah. I don't know how jaded it makes me that. When you when you initially brought up the subject, I thought, oh, it must be an improv teacher. Oh, yo, I mean, for sure. I mean, I mean, there is a there, <laughs> there there's a there's a dark humor joke in my mind of being like, oh, well, thank God it happened to me at thirteen because it definitely would have happened when I was in college. <laughs> like it, but I just like you know, it's like, oh, this is what this behavior looks like, so I'm not going to. No, no improv teacher. Yeah, I guess I I wasn't I unfortunately wasn't of age. I guess <laughs> comedy. Much like the world, as mm-hmm. we're learning this week. I mean, we learn every week. Yeah. Don't we? That we, we think we're making progress, and then we take a couple steps back, or we realize that as much as we feel like, for lack of a better word, that we've woken up mm-hmm. to what's really going on, mm-hmm. and that we're all enlightened, and we're moving, we're moving forward. Yeah. Society goes. Society slaps us in the face and goes. Oh no! There's still some people who who like it the way it used to be. Yeah, I think. Um, I don't know. I think that with comedy, though, I think I, I was telling my dad this morning. Like, I'm so. I feel so grateful that I do comedy. Um, for me personally, just because I think like 
the it helps process so much stuff and helps keep it light and i think even like you know not not that i'm like womp, womp, abuse happens but i'm like well it does and there are ways that it's progressing and stuff but like to be able to laugh for for me to be able to laugh about it for me to be able to like talk to friends or make jokes or like i have a i have a, I have a joke that i really like doing We're, we'll see i think audiences sometimes like it too but i'll essentially be like um uh, I've been dating for a very long time. The first time I had sex, I was 13, and everyone kind of gets quiet. And I go, I know it was really hard because everyone in my class were fucking virgins. And then I give high fives. I give high fives for like a minute. Just like, I go, I just give, I whoop and holler, and like, <laughs> I think it's really funny, and it makes me laugh, and it's made other people laugh too. Um, but it is that thing of like, is it? Are we so glad that we have humor? Because even if we've woken and enlightened, it's like, okay still everything is not that serious like you can be empathetic for people you can laugh at things i think that's the only way that actual progress gets made is that secretly or not so secretly why your show with demi and nick is called everything's great yeah i think there was i think i think we in general i think we get a kick out of smiling while saying shitty things or of be or we're like everything's great what are you talking about the world's on fire but actually it's pretty warm kind of nice to tan when the world's on fire like i think that's i think it's more i don't know i think we all i think the three of us especially together have a little bit of um like satirical joy does that make sense you the dog in that meme where everything's on yeah everything's yeah, every, yeah everything is fine yeah every, but we're like, everything's great and uh, i think our tagline used to be like a, a comedy show about positive uh, like a a positive comedy show that if you don't like you can fuck yourself to hell loser <laughs> or something something like that some kind of some kind of insult but that was the <laughs> so i i would have asked you when you knew it was time to move to la but as you've already told us it was in the plan it was in the stars i guess um 2019 you're gonna move to la well i did and i will say to anybody who's like do i move to la i visited for like a week for the two years leading up to. So I like visited like a week. I did like a UCB Spank show out here. And then I did another week where I just kind of came out to visit with a friend. Um, and then the, and then in 2019, I had gone through like some like changes in New York where I was kind of feeling like I needed a, a break or I needed just like a mental change. I, oh, I just opened for Nick Thune for five shows at Caroline's. And then I had done my first JFL characters callback and I hated everything I did, Sean. I hated every single joke I told. I hated every single character I told. I felt like I was doing things that I thought I was supposed to do, like jokes that I was supposed to tell, but not actually things that made me laugh. Mm -hmm. And people were always like, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta find your voice. And that felt like the most, I was like, I haven't found it yet. How, I, and it, it feels very much like, um, oh, like, I don't know, any superhero, superhero stuff where it's like, you got to try to unlock your power. I don't know. It's just going to happen one day. And you're, like, so frustrated. And I remember, like, hating my JFL set so much that I, like, banged my head hard on this bar table a couple times with my dad right after it. And he was like, Jesus, Addy, stop, because he was there to help me pack because I was about to go to L.A. for two months. And, and it was this great feeling of, like, I got to be like, okay, I'm going to go to L.A. and I'm just going to try something new. Just like a restart real fast just for a two-month visit. Mm -hmm. And then after I was here for a couple of weeks, I was like, oh, I love it. I want to move here. And then my friend Nick, co-chair, was like, if you're going to stay, do you want to co-host a comedy show? And I was like, yes. And he was like, do you want to meet Demi? And then we met. And I was like, oh, well, so if I, so in L.A., it's sunshine. And a, and a really cool monthly show at Dynasty Typewriter with 200 seats, this beautiful theater with two people who I really admire comedy-wise and really like. Um, yeah, I'm not going to say. It almost felt like moving for a job. And I will say that I had a remote job. I was working at Simple Contacts. God bless them. Um, and they let me work remote for a year so I could, like, move out here with a job. And then I had booked a different Acme commercial, and that money also helped me move. So it was, like, 
a lot of stuff working to be like, this makes sense. I like Homer Simpson into the bushes to L.A. A lot of people were like, when did you move? <laughs> yeah. Had you, so you had already done the Adult Swim show at that point? Yes. I had already done Your Pretty Faces Going to Hell. I shot that when I was living in New York um, in, I think, 2017 is when we shot it. And I sobbed when we wrapped because I had so much fun. It was the most fun on-set experience I've ever had. <laughs> it was incredible. In Atlanta, Georgia, getting painted. Everyone's a goofball. When I left, they were making um, uh, aborted fetuses holding machine guns as a prop for, like, the next episode. And I was like, I fucking love these people. <laughs> it was amazing, yeah. And you had a job and you had you had a national commercial. So. I had booked a national commercial directed by Ali Pankew. That's how I met her. And that was in December 2018. So I, I remember I was like sitting at Semi-Tropic and I got a check for like the most amount of money I'd ever gotten in one check. And I had maybe mm, $900 in my banking account. <laughs> and I was like really checked a check. And then I got a big check and ran out of the bar crying. It was, it was, I was like day job working at the bar. So it was like 4 p.m. crying, called my parents being like, we're going to be OK, um, which many, was really nice. How many auditions were you going for, the, for in New York before that commercial? Like, so this is also like 20. So this is 20 for I would say from. 2016 to 2018 because I've been commercial auditioning for just kidding from 2015 to 2018 so I got three solid years of like building up my team and then I think for like the from 2017 2018 I was doing like three to four to five auditions a week um and getting so close to a big national commercial still hadn't booked a national commercial like had booked like some like non-union or industrial stuff then finally got sag and had booked like a regional but like hadn't booked a national yet um and then it happened and i lost my goddamn mind and it's so commercials are so incredibly important for comedians i think or at least for me it's like how i make my money it's incredible it's amazing i if i win an oscar i will be thanking different acne gel absolutely (laughs) but is that something that it's not something they teach in like a ucb class or anywhere um i mean i did i actually my first my first commercial agent phil cassess he was at stewart talent in new york and him and stacy gallo who's who is a casting director they did a casting class like a commercial commercial acting casting class at ucb um it's not so much that it's a thing that it's not that teachers teach you but everyone at ucb when you're you see them in commercials you're like yo andy pasillos how did you book that commercial how'd you do that that? yeah how are you making money and if you if there's an improviser who doesn't have a day job because they're making money off of commercials where you get to be an idiot for four days and then eat for the rest of the year everyone's like how do i do that (laughs) yeah yeah we're the best people for commercials it's very fun (laughs) Yeah. yeah, and now you've been in Super Bowl commercials. I've been in a Super Bowl commercial. I just shot a Tostitos one with Dan Levy. That one's going to be really fun. Um, and Yoni Lotan, who's also a friend from New York, a UCB guy. Um, yeah, I had an AT&T one last year. I'd like to do, obviously, would love to do, always would love to do more. Oh, right, yeah, you were in one with... <laughs> with Milana. Milana. Yeah, yeah, with Milana. And she was directing all those. Yeah, she's incredible. She, Milana is mm, maybe one of the most amazing people I know, and she... She's been on the podcast. Yeah, fantastic. She, um... I lived near her for the beginning of pandemic and we met because I saw her dog throwing up grass and she had this big sun hat on. So I didn't see her. And I was like, excuse me, it's COVID. We have masks on. So I'm like a distance away. And I was like, is your dog okay? And she was like, oh yeah, he just ate a lot of grass. And then she looked up at me and then we both made eye contact (laughs) and we're like, do we know each other? Because she had been in in a lot of Nick's and she had been in a couple sketches that she had written with, um, Akilah Green and Nick and Nick Kocher and Brian McElhaney. And then, and I, and Britford Britannic. Yeah. Or not for them, but, um, with them. Yeah, but 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 Milana and Akila also wrote them too. So it's Those the, the, are the four ones, of them. Like, Comedy Central. Yeah, they were amazing. Um, and uh, they uh, and so we both recognized each other from mutual friends, and then we talked on that sidewalk for mm, two hours. 
just talk for so long till it was like, do you want to get a phone number and you live around this corner? Oh my God, do you want to walk your dogs? And then we just walked our dogs together every morning for about like a month, month and a half during that crazy time. And I saw, I witnessed her be like, I think I'm going to try to shoot some AT&T commercials. I think there's a way to do it that's COVID safe. And then being like, I'm talking to my team. They're also on board. And then another day, talk to Hungry Man, talk to AT&T. They're interested in this. And then until it was like, we're shooting it. And like she had written and and found out how to like do it all COVID safe, shooting in her home, shooting in other people's home on like Zoom and stuff. Um, she just created she just created a ton of jobs for people at a time where people weren't working. It was amazing. Like the first new commercial is out. Yeah, and it's also amazing. I don't know if I've ever heard of another comedian who became a company spokesperson and then owned owned their own product in a way. Yeah, well, she because then she because then Lily kind of got retired. They stopped using Lily for AT and T for a little bit, and then it was her being like, "What if we brought Lily back? Like maybe this is a nice time for her to for her to come back." Um, and it and it was, but I think you know, I think. I think Milana, I think those commercials are really funny and I think they're really well directed and written and I think she's so funny and it's like, yeah, why not? And she is supporting the hell out of her family and future family and is like being like a fucking hashtag girl bus director. I hate this word, but like, you know. Because she was doing most of it while pregnant, so. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if you know this yeah. as a woman in yeah, yeah. But sometimes you get a lot of unwanted attention in her in harassment or yes. harassment or both yeah oh yeah yeah oh no on the internet yeah no it's terrifying i do not so. like it i think that's honestly why i've been having less fun on instagram is like i don't know i the ratio of people i know who follow me versus don't know has changed and sometimes i don't like the strangers right but she's so milana has had to push back against that yeah i mean yeah all the it's horrible yeah. But also she did she did a unfortunately she unfortunately that happened but also fortunately for the rest of us she gave us an incredible example of how to be of how to deal with that. And honestly, if anything like that happens to me, any kind of bullying that feels really hard, I know that I can go to her and get some really fucking good experience, strength and hope about that. So, you mentioned everything's great. Yeah. And so I, I just learned that you had known Demi before. No. But you had known Nick. I had known Nick. How would you know Nick? I had known Nick through Brian, and then I had met Brian in an escape room with other comedian friends. So I met Brian in an escape room, we became friends, and then... Hey, if you're going to network in comedy, go to an escape room, uh, that, and then we just had a great time. Escape. That's right, they can't escape, uh, then we have to talk, and they're like, can you stop talking to me? I'm trying to solve this puzzle to get us out of the Pharaoh's tube um, before, you know, before, before the... The spider monkeys come. Um, but I met Brian and uh, and we got on really fast. And we're like, oh, we have like very similar brains. This is awesome. And um, we became friends. And then I became friends with his friends. And then those friends got engaged in Paris. And fifteen of us flew out to hang out with them and surprise you're engaged in Paris and one of them who was there was Nick who had come from LA and I had heard all about him we bonded on this Paris trip um his younger brother who has a girlfriend and we really like her and respect her his younger brother plays ultimate frisbee and so do I so I kept joking that I was going to marry his younger brother Mm -hmm. and that so I was like you're already my older brother-in-law um and then we just smoked rolled cigarettes like constantly um uh, and but it was this nice way of being like um you know ever all 15 of us are hanging out and then next like do you want to smoke a cigarette if i was like do you and then we got to kind of like have some like quiet time and talk and be like oh i like you you're really cool and so when i came to la he was like you know 
he he uh, uh, he had a lot of he also was working from home a lot mm-hmm. and I was working remotely so we were like well let's just work together and I always thought that I was really annoying to him I was like I don't know why this guy I don't know why he wants to be my friend it feels like we're very different people um, so and when he said he wanted you to co-host a show, show what did that I was like, holy shit, what? I mean, I've heard him now say really nice things to me. He just says them in the same tone, and it is really sweet. He's just, it just, he, I think, I think to me, I'm like, oh, if someone is so different from me, they don't like me. And, um, you know, which sometimes is true. Um, but in Nick's case, Nick likes all of the things about me that make us different. I think that makes a really nice friendship and collaboration. So I think he, to him, he was like, I've never hosted a show before, and you've hosted shows in New York. Um, you know, uh, I've been hosting shows for a long time um i would come up with different shows in philly to be like i want to do my own this show or my own that show um and so i know about like lineups and producing stuff and whatever and we got a producer erica Bress, who's awesome um right because nick's yeah. was sketch sketch and videos for youtube and yeah and he was like i want to do more stand-up and i want to have a show for yes they did yeah yeah um and then demi and nick just thought demi was really funny and was like demi doesn't have a live sh- a monthly show i don't have a monthly show Fatty moves to L.A. Does she want to do a monthly show? And I was like, yes. And that was awesome because I immediately got to meet a bunch of comedians out here. And, like, it was that was a really fun way to settle settle in really quickly. Yeah, in a fun way. How would – do you feel like each of the three of you have a distinct role? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. So what are they? Oh, the distinct roles? In- well, I'm, I'm, I'm the girl. I'm the girl one. I'm the, I'm the white gay girl. I'm the white queer, like, bisexual girl. Mm-hmm. Demi is, is black. And, and, um, and, then, and then Nick is white. And, and so the thing is, oftentimes Nick so is... So identity politics. So, it's, so we, it's all identity politics. But it is, it is very funny. Um, and then Demi and I really love uh, punching down on Nick. <laughs> um, or, or punching up, I guess. Punching up on Nick. But it is very fun um, for us to be like oh so that mean that you don't like women nick does that mean that you don't like black people nick um, and just to have nick be on stage be like what no that's not what i meant so a lot of our jokes are um are something bad happens to nick and demi and i smile and giggle um i'm definitely the character that i play with with the three of us is um i'm like a we're all best friends right and then they're like um yeah we're friends <laughs> um so yeah mine is definitely the relentless optimistic uh character i guess speaking of relentless optimism as i was driving over here to meet you i immediately said oh that's the gas station where addy hosted an all day all night election party that's right with demi yeah it was a 76 on hillhurst and los Feliz boulevard i only know that because i was like oh 76 1776 what a what an American gas station. To, if, if in hindsight, just to see all the photos of being like, oh, is that the 76 one too? That's kind of cool. How did that come about? That like, came about like, hosting. Of, oh, I ended up. A lot, a lot of news. Oh, yeah, yeah. That. People were, that was the day, not election night proper. but That was the morning. It was like 9 a.m. The results are in. Joe Biden has been elected president, the next president of the United States of America. So 9 a.m. L.A. time. 9 a.m. L.A. time. So I was at a park with my dog, introducing her to her puppies that she had been separated with when she was rescued from a desert. And I got a bunch of texts and a call from Demi being like, are you home? Um, there people are bang are you home i'm outside with a bagpipe um in my rope um uh people yeah it was like this horn keyboard bagpipe thing and he's like everyone's everyone's freaking out and i was like i'll be home in 20 minutes and i like hopped in my car drove home um 
dropped the dogs, changed into, oh, I met up with Demi, and then Paul Shear drove by, and he poked his head out the window, and he was like, everyone's going to Hillhurst and Los Feliz Boulevard. I think that's where people, maybe it's a parade or something, but everyone's going to go there. And so I was like, okay. So I told Demi that I would just meet him there. So I went home. I changed into clothes that felt appropriate. So I it was like rainbow, like um, uh, rainbow sweatbands on my wrists and then like a blue and then like fun, cool shoes um, drove. There was like no parking, but also it was like everyone was in that parking lot. So I was like, what if I just pulled into the parking lot? So I pulled, I just pulled in um, and was blasting fuck Donald Trump and, uh, and uh, you're, you're about to lose your job song um, on my thing, on my car. And then just very quickly, I was like, well, I'm getting on top of my car. And then everyone was like, can we also get up there? And I was like, hell fucking yeah, you can. I own this shit. That's the problem with making commercial money is that you don't know that it can go away pretty fast. Um, I ended up having to owe a lot of money in taxes. So I was like, I don't know how to spend money. Um, we all. Uh, and then someone brought a speaker. And then Demi and I just didn't want to stop. It was for 10 hours till the sun went down. Yeah, it was fucking awesome. One of the best days of my life. And people called us Joe Biden supporters. We were like, well, no, we're not Joe Biden supporters. We are happy. <laughs> we are happy that it feels like um, something. It was, it, it, it's, we're happy and it feels like there's hope that maybe we as a group of people can try to enact change. I don't know. How do you maintain such momentum dancing on your car for 10 hours? Uh, you know what? We both have ADHD, and I think that helps. And uh, and as I said before, I am 12. Uh, I'm young, and so high energy, and I don't know. I mean, Demi and I both were very extroverted in that way, and, like, I think it was just too fun to not. There was just never a moment. There was always just something more exciting happening in the next minute or so. So every time I was like, okay, maybe I'll go home, or, like, maybe I'll go to the bathroom, then all of a sudden more people showed up that I knew, or just a kid did a backflip off of a car. The kid got, uh, there was a car pulled up, family honking, kid got out of the car, did a backflip, got back in the car, everyone freaked out. It was awesome. We played Lady Gaga, Rain on Me, and it started to rain, and when when she was like, rain on me, there was a fucking rainbow. It was amazing. And, like, it was a rainbow above the gas station. So Hollywood. It was incredible. It was so Hollywood. It was just, like, the most, it was the day, it was just, why would I want to go home? I just didn't want to leave yet. I didn't have anything to do. So has that has that spurred you and Demi to do any other outlandishly public outdoorsy things? I mean, look, nothing else has inspired us. I mean, I think when we were doing this show, um, but I think like I think what is fun just about like or especially with my friendship with Demi, too, um, is that we just are very similar. We just really love performing together. I think we love working together. And um, I'm really grateful that I met him. And uh, I think it's one of those things where it's like. We weren't trying to do anything. We weren't trying to get on the news. We weren't trying to. We were just so. We were just having a great time, and we just love having a great time, and we love having a great time with other people. And I think that's. I think that shows on everything's great stage. I think me, Demi, and Nick just all love to have a great time, and there's nothing better than. For me, there's nothing better than performing and to sharing something with an audience. I think that's why I don't really like online internet videos for me very much. I love watching other people's, and I admire them so much. I can't do it. It all the joy is gone for me. I like need to connect with at least one audience member, make eye contact, make hear someone laugh immediately after I say something. Otherwise, I'm like, how do I know this is funny? <laughs> exactly. You know, I don't know. Um, but yeah, so if, de- you know, we'll see what happens in New York, but uh, if the right opportunity happens, we're going to Scotland. I think we're going to get tattoos now in Inverness. I just texted him that and he was like, hell yeah. So we'll see. <laughs> well, and you've got a movie on Hulu already. Yeah. Another movie on the way in 2022. It's going to have a theatrical release August 12th, and then it'll be on Hulu for December 20th for the holidays. Yeah. So, and I already know you had a game plan. 
is there is there more stuff on that list of what's on the list? I think right now my team. I mean, well, there's so as far so it's like of, of what I'm working on. I'm um. I'm working on a couple of exciting projects that I don't know if I can talk about, um, but you know, of like, of it's been really fun to write. Um, I'm really, I feel really lucky with the team that I have, um, and I really love my agents and my manager, and I talk to them frequently, and I ask them questions. I think because I got a manager and agent when I was like 18, 19, uh, you know, and I, I, I swung from a couple, so I've, I'm now a kind of, I don't think I'll probably move from my team that I'm with right now. I don't know. Knock on wood. Um, maybe I'll change my mind. Uh, but I love them. Uh, I think I just got very used to like being 18 or 19, just having questions. So just like texting my manager or calling or responding to emails. Um, and then I would grow up and my friends would be like, oh, I don't know. I'm, I don't really, I don't want to bother my manager. And I was like, oh, you feel that way? I bother her all the time, I guess. But but they like it. They're like, we like that you talk to us. Um, that's, what that's their job. That's their job. So it's been, so they've gotten me like awesome general meetings um, with like production places. And it's just been cool to like have writing be read by people. And then people be like, I want to make this. So the goal is still to write, produce and act in my own show. But also there's some movie stuff happening. That's cool. And casting stuff with casting has been going really exciting and uh i think the the trick is to just find joy outside of career because you never know what's going to happen and like for this mac and rita diane keaton movie i was i tested for the lead of that of the it's now a hulu show um maggie i was the lead for it i was the one that creative no one else tested it was just me and i was like so does i mean i got it am i going to be the lead like the main lead title lead of a show and casting wanted me, director wanted me, marketing wanted me. This is what I was told. But th- but they did. Um, and then studio, uh, ABC, was just like, she just looks too young. And so it was a no. And so and the writers and the, the director, they were so nice. They were like, can we Zoom with you? Because like, we really loved getting to know you. We were so sad. And I was like, something better's coming. I was like, cool. Something's better coming. Because I attested for a lead uh, the year before, and I was devastated. And I was like, what's going to happen next? And four days later, a global pandemic took hold. So it's like, I don't know what's happening. And two weeks after I found out the news that I didn't get Maggie, my team was like, do you remember that you auditioned for a thing called Mac and Rita? And I was like, no. And they were like, well, you booked it, and it shoots in two weeks. And because you didn't book the pilot, you can do it. So it's like, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? I wake up every day, I go, surprise me. You know, you just go surprise me. <laughs> well, it was a very nice surprise that you agreed to have me over. Oh, uh, fantastic. Thank you so much been, for wanting to interview. It's been a joy being your one audience member. I love it. That's what I really love. And it's so much more fun to also do it not on Zoom. Yes. Be able to, like, see you and, and, and host you in this little courtyard area in my apartment. And, oh, it's great. And, and say hi to my neighbors as they walk by with us in microphones. Oh, it's great. Everything's yeah. great. Yeah, everything's great. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was post-produced by Alex Brazell at Showburst Studios. The music was by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. If you enjoyed listening, please check out my substack called Piffany at piffany.substack.com for transcripts, bonus commentary, and expert analysis about comedy, show business, and more. I'm your host, Sean L. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.